0: So, hi, uh, I'm Eugene, I'm one of the elders here at Five Stones Church, and uh, so we're continuing on our uh, testimonies series, uh, Sacred Intersection, God's Presence in Everyday Life. I'm excited today because we have uh, a young couple here. Pavi and Pashan, and they will be uh, giving us their testimony. And it's always exciting to hear and learn about people's background. And and you might have actually seen them up here. They 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 are here up here doing leading worship and singing beautiful voices. And they have two wonderful, beautiful daughters as well. Uh, before I call them up here, uh, I'll just open with a uh, today's scripture passage. And it's from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 21. Uh, Our title today's message is Trusting in the Lord There is None Like It. Uh, In 1 Samuel, chapter 21, and this is uh, here's the background David was on the run, Um, he was alone, he was hungry, empty handed. He was being pursued and hunted down by the jealous uh, King Saul of Israel. So he came to this town called Nab. Nab, or Nab. Uh, this is a town where the, actual, the tabernacle was held. Uh, and all the priests are located in this town. And this is before the temple was built, of course, in Jerusalem. So he came to the, uh, this town and asked the high priest, uh, Ahimelech, He asked the high priest for any food and if there's any weapon for him to defend himself. So the priest, Ahimelech, gave David the the showbread, the consecrated bread to eat, and also gave him a sword. And this sword is the sword of Goliath. Now you will remember uh, during years earlier when David had that famous showdown, confrontation with the Philistine giant, David actually, after knocking Goliath dead with a stone, he used Goliath's own sword to, well, kind of decapitate the giant's head. So now, this sword has been kept in uh, with the priests, as perhaps like a war trophy or something like that, and kept together by the priests and stored in uh, this town called Nob. And this is what the priest Ahimelech said to uh, David. He said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you kill in the valley of Elah, is here, wrapped in a cloth behind an ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. Then David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. And that's in 1 Samuel 21. God provided for David in his time of need. David saw the sword. He praised it, took it. Our Lord is our provider in our time of need. And he's our defender. He's our Jehovah Jireh. So let's pray before we, we start. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for our gathering here as we uh, praise you and and worship you. And this morning, Lord, uh, as we hear the testimony from Pavi and Pashant, Lord, we, we are excited to see how and what you have done in their lives and what you continue to do in our lives as well, Lord. As you want us to remember who you are and what you have done for us. And as we had communion earlier, that you have sacrificed yourself for us, Lord. And so we trust in you, Lord. We trust in your goodness and your faithfulness that endure, Lord. And Father, open our hearts as we hear your word today and as we listen to the testimony and see your goodness, Lord. So Father, uh, lead us, open our heart, and may your uh, spirit just give a special anointing to Pavi and Prashant this morning. And also help me as I share the, your word to the Lord. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So now I just ask Pavi and, and Prashant to come up. Yeah. Um, hi,
1: my name is Prashant. Uh, when I got the email from, you know, church asking if I wanted to speak and be part of this testimony series, I kind of agreed way too enthusiastically. Um, Little realizing that my mom and dad are going to be in the audience today. Um, Yeah, it's uh, like one of the times where um, I bought Coldplay tickets for uh, uh, a Saturday show, and I landed up uh, waiting to go for it on Sunday. Uh, Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, So uh, just a heads up, uh, in my testimony, there are small, um, there are parts of it where I talk about self-harm, and if anybody is uncomfortable with it, uh, you can feel free to just get up and leave if it's some uh, topic. So I'll give a bit of time. Um, if they are not, uh, feel free to stay. Uh, I'll take no offense. Um, just before I start, everybody say hi to my mom and dad. Uh, that's my dad, uh, Tarin Koshi, and my mom, uh, Elsie. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Yeah, um, so uh, here I was, I was seriously contemplating my life choices at the age of 17, um, uh, and thinking in the back of my head, would it be just easier if I just jumped off this building? Um, to avoid this sense of failure and uh, shame which I felt. Um, So before I dwell into this moment, I'll just take you back a little bit, Uh, I'll rewind. I grew up in India. Um, I had a very happy, normal childhood. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. I went to church quite often. Um, I would find church extremely boring, to be honest with you. Um, I used to have fun in Sunday school, but even in Sunday school, I used to really kind of run away from it because they used to make us memorize Bible verses, and uh, that was not fun. Um, uh, the, my solace was music over there. Uh, I used to like singing for Sunday school, and, um, and I must have been a shy kid because one time when one of the teachers went and told my mom that, uh, hey, uh, you know, Prashant won a, a prize for a singing competition, she was genuinely surprised. She was like, he sings? Uh, like, let alone publicly. She was, she was really, she was surprised. Um, so, yeah, um, as an adult, when I look back, I understand I had, you know, uh, I suffer from mild symptoms of ADHD, like attention disorder. Like, I still struggle to sometimes focus, just kind of read through a page and, you know, stay over there. Um, and that influenced, like, because of that, I, like, while I was growing up, I struggled with my grades uh, in school. Um, but I had a lot of pride and confidence instilled with me, instilled to me by my parents. I was always told that I was intelligent. I was very logical. I could, you know, uh, do well in math. Yeah. And uh, I could always be better. And I could, you know, do better. But the truth is that I I just couldn't end up doing it. I, I just I was always an average student um, and academically, ac- academically my high school was a bit of a failure. I was either average or under average and because of that uh, I, I internally uh, felt like I was constantly letting my parents down and myself down and it, it built up to a time where I reached high school and my, you know, I had to give an entrance exam for getting into college and I, I bombed. I bombed bad. So uh, I decided to take matters into my own hands um, and I, uh, at the age of 16 years old, I decided I'm going to sit a year and I'm going to rewrite my exams again. So I moved out of my house for the one year um, and during that time I struggled with isolation and confidence, um, but I was determined to change my circumstance. Like after a year, I took my exams again after study, studies and um, I remember going online uh, checking my name, scrolling down, just to realize that uh, the rank I had was worse than the rank I had the previous year. Um, all I remember at that point of time was feeling this sense of brokenness. And, uh, and then like, and walking up, because I was staying my aunt's house at that point of time. So I, I remember walking up all the way to the 21st floor and uh, just looking over the edge. And um, that, that was really hard. I, I think the, I sat there for a very long time and the only thing which I think held me back was God's presence in my life. Um, sometimes uh, we attach our self-worth to the success we have in this world outside and we are not successful, we think we are worthless. And that is a bad thought to have Especially the age of 16. Um, thankfully, I didn't I didn't go through with it. Um, eventually, uh, I joined a college thanks to my dad. He paid for my education. I studied mechanical engineering. Um, I struggled through that section of education too because that, that's that that wasn't me. Um, every semester was painful. Um, I was, again, dealing with this constant sense of failure. I had, like, some sort of a subject I would always kind of fall short on. Um, and when I, I... I pulled through it, but eventually when I couldn't bear it anymore, I decided to do something more in tune with what, what God's blessed me with, and then decided to do something in art. Um, I remember at that point in time, there were relatives um, who I discussed this with, and they were like, art? Like, like does that even pay... Would you, this, do you even have jobs related to that? And, and trust me, it sounds a lot more worse when you say that in my dialect, you know, which is Malayalam. You know, in a local dialect, oh my God, you. you know? um, yeah, and around this time I joined a church and I was part of a youth group. And again, being part of a worship team was my motivation. It kept me grounded and kept feeding my faith and my belief in the word of God. Um, I had experiences of fellowship. And uh, testimonies and uh, Bible study and again, you know, I'm I'm not somebody who would who naturally just pick up a Bible and just like read and just go through it because I struggle with it. But just being part of a group, you it eventually seeps in, and how God speaks to you, like just just being there. Um, Fast forward. I'm in New Zealand, I'm working in a small animation studio and I realized my dream was to work for a studio which made real movies, you know, the ones which win awards and you know, Oscars and stuff like that. And for at that point in time in New Zealand there was a studio called Weta Digital and uh for those who don't know Weta Digital is uh, uh it's it's the studio which had, which had done movies like Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, um Avatar, uh, Planet of the Apes. Um yeah, Basically, it's like the Microsoft, Google, uh, Apple of the animation industry. So I decided again to take Madison into my own hands, lean into my own understanding, pride and self-worth rather than what God had planned for me. So I quit my job in Auckland, which is somewhere to the north of New Zealand, moved down to the south to Wellington. And um, I decided I'm going to keep knocking on the door of the company um, till they let me in. So I tailored my portfolio, my demo reel for Weta. I even took a course, in creature animation, which is how you kind of get into the place. Um, I didn't stop at that. I, I went online. I stalked Weta animators. I followed what coffee they drank, uh, you know, knew exactly what their life journeys were, how they got in, studied their portfolio. Um, and then I would, like, check, you know, the job portal, like, like how teenagers check TikTok, just keep, keep you know, refreshing, refreshing. For seven months, I did that straight. I thought I could mentally will myself into getting hired. Um, slowly, my savings started to do it, like deplete. I lost motivation. I felt that familiar sense of failure and loss. And I remember thinking, "Oh man, like I'm, I made a huge mistake. Like maybe I'm just another imposter." So in Wellington there are just very few animation companies. There's literally two. There's Weta and there's another small studio. And during this time when I pretty much was running out of money, I applied to the other studio too. And um, their creative officer responded to me and said, hey, you want to just have a talk? And during the conversation, he said, oh, "You know, I like whatever you have. I like your portfolio. But it kind of looks like you have catered everything to join Weta. <laughs> um, but if they give you a call, would you leave us? I was desperate. I barely had a few dollars in my account, um, so I said, no, I mean, not at all. A week later, I get an email from Better, saying that we need you to join in the next five days. I, I didn't know what to do. I prayed, I cried. I remember crying in the shower, you know, like how we do melodramatically, like, oh, no. Um... um I spoke to Pavi about it. I knew what I needed to do deep down in my heart, like what's the right thing, because that's what was taught to me as a Christian. So I responded. I said, sorry, I just picked up another job. I don't think I would, I would be able to join by the date yous required. So here I want us to say, Isaiah 41:13 says, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is who? It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. It's funny how your prayers are answered during up. During, uh, it's funny how your prayers are answered in his time. This small studio I worked for had two animators, me and another senior animator, who was there for 12 years. Um, every year, there is an animation film festival, which happens in Wellington. And he was so tired of going for the same festival for 12 years, he's like, you know what, you go this year. At the same animation festival, the head of animation for Weta was giving a talk. And um, I was part of the talk. He was talking about Planet of the Apes. And I, at the end of the talk, I decided, you know, I'm just going to go speak to him. So I waited. After he finished talking, I walked down to him. And I told him, hi, Richard. My name is Prashant. I've been applying for the past seven months every week to try and get into your studio. Um, You guys reached out to me around four or five months back. And I said no. And this is the reason why I said no. Um, He heard me out and he said, okay, Prashant, don't worry about it. I I understand why you made your choices. You know, opportunities will always come up. Three weeks later, I got another offer. This time, I had to go to my current job and I said, hey, you know, I can't continue. I already said no to them before. And then he was like, he was shocked. He was like, why would you say no to them? (laughs) And I told him it's because of the conversation we had. And you know, I didn't think it was right to just, because after I made a promise to you, Um, I'm Christian. Uh, (laughs) I later found out I was an off-hire. I mean, there was really no requirement for my job role at that point in time at Weta. They just hired me because, because God provided an opportunity for me. My life has been a bunch of incidents that don't make any sense to me on why and how certain things have happened. Like, looking back, all I know for certain is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean... On your own understanding. in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I want to end with this song with the first song I learned how to play on a guitar it was in a church, by this by somebody who was part of the worship team at that point of time. so I'll, I'll play it wrong chords and all. the words. <laughs> Unto that bill while I am waiting yielded and still Thank you.
2: Hello, everyone. Hope you can hear me. I'm Pavi. Um, As many of you know me, I'm usually running behind two girls, or I'm trying to sing without, like, making sure my daughter is not coming to me and asking for cheese. So (laughs) so, um, I want to say thank you for the opportunity, Uh, Pastor Eugene, Andrew, John, uh, Pastor Rich, and everyone in the congregation for giving Prashan and I this opportunity to share our journey with God. I'm a little nervous, and I might break down, so forgive me. I want to start off with um, Isaiah 6, 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. This is what I remember my mom constantly saying, repeatedly, that would be put on my dad's tombstone um, when he passed. I was five, I had no idea what loss meant, I only remember my mom crying down the hall of the hospital and my sister crying with me in a, in a little room. And I was crying because they were crying. I really didn't know what happened. And I remember my mom saying, he's gone. Loss is not something you understand at a very early age. Maybe you do, but for me at that point in time, it just felt that my dad had gone somewhere and then he was coming back. Um, I was born and raised in India. Pretty normal childhood, if you say normal, like Christian upbringing, my dad was a priest. We moved quite a bit. Um, I was in Bombay and then a little bit in Calcutta and then finally in Bangalore where my mom came from. So after my dad passed, we moved to Bangalore. We stayed with my mom's side of the family and we went to Sunday school, everything continued the same like nothing ever happened, but it was this constant feeling of loss or now I can term it as loss. But at that point, I did not know what it was. It was just some kind of a void that was there. We moved schools. My sister and I, we tried to grapple with some form of normalcy. Um, You know, throughout School, I was teased a lot for my dad not coming to PD meetings because I would say, Yeah, my dad's coming. Because I always felt like, you know, people were judging me that I didn't have a father. So some, sometimes uh, schools are not fun. So I hated school. But um, I always said, Yeah, my dad's going to come. But my mom would always come. <laughs> so, but I always felt this sense of strength that would come to me at the most lowest times. I was a very energetic kid, very enthusiastic, always filled with some form of happiness, running around with no care in the world. But I also was dealing with a lot of emotions. I did not realize that God's presence was there with me throughout that time. As I grew up, I think at the age of 17, you get confirmed. It's basically like um, an adult baptism that you do, but you basically confine your life and everything that you do, and you give it up for Jesus. Not in a, I'm going to be a priest, or you know I'm going to go the evangelical way, but everything you do, you have God with you. Um, Honestly, at that point, that didn't make any sense to me. I was just like, okay, I'm part of it. And if you're Indian or Asian, you know you never question anything. You just do. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes when my kids come and ask me hundred questions in an, in an hour, I'm going, wow, I wish I could ask these questions back to my mom, <laughs> but um, yeah the fact that we encouraged them to speak and we encouraged them to ask questions was a very new concept to me, because I was just told to do, not question. So at 17 when I did that, we had this big gathering, and you know, my niece recently went through it, uh, two weeks ago, and you know, everyone said, oh, this is great, and this is amazing, and you know, we have a prayer, and the bishop comes, and you know, anoints your head with oil, and says, you know, now you are ready to, um, you know, you're, with a knowing mind and a conscience, you know you're accepting God in your life. Um, later, I moved to New Zealand, married my best friend, Prashan, and we started our journey together. Um... I feel that was the first time that I was on my own and I had to figure things out myself. Like, yes, uh, we were together, but our journeys are so different. Um, Our perspectives are also very different, but when you put God at the center of it all, it just makes sense. We went to many churches in Auckland, we tried to fit in. Some places we did, we felt welcomed. Some places, no. And both of us really like music and we gravitate towards that, so we try to be part of different you know, committees and just trying to get accepted. In one place, we did get accepted, which was such a great feeling. Um, When I talk of acceptance, we joined this church in November. And I cannot tell you how accepted and grateful we are. Um, the feeling of being accepted is so amazing because we moved here 15 days before COVID from New Zealand when everything was normal, everything was great. Everything was, um, I think they weren't even dealing with anything at that point in time. They were like, COVID, what COVID? Um, and here everyone was you know, shut down, not doing anything, no jobs. And I had this grand plan. I would come here, I was on mat leave, with uh, my six-month-old, Eva, who was keeping me awake all night. I love her, but oh my goodness. And, um, and, and also with Liana, who was three and a half at that point in time, trying to get her into school, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this at this point, I'm going to make sure I get a job, and then you know, I'll be with Eva for a year, so less mom guilt, and then you know, go into uh, work, and then you know, everything would be perfect. It wasn't my will, it wasn't my understanding, it wasn't God's plan. That's something I couldn't deal with. So I went through a lot of, um, I don't really think it's called depression, but it's just, just sadness. You know, just moments where you feel defeated. Um, you feel like you didn't make it. And if you know me a little, I'm extremely competitive. And if I want to win something and I want to do something, I don't care how small I am, I will hunt you down. (laughs) And I will do it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so those are one of the things that, you know, I said, why couldn't I do it? And little did I know that, you know, I have all this while implicitly leaned on God Whether I have done it through prayer or I've done it willingly, knowingly, um, this was my time to actually submit to him. This was my moment to give in. Um, And I'm glad I did because the moment I did, everything made sense. And that same familiar sense of this feels right made, it, it it made sense at that point in time for me, and everything sort of fell in place. We moved here, we found a church, we were able to you know make our kids um, you know go to school and pay bills and do all that good thing um, and raise them in a happy environment. I don't have a moment to say that this was the exact moment that I I I got Jesus into my life, but. I want to be able to say that if you ever feel lost or troubled or feeling like nothing makes sense, his presence in your everyday life is there and it's just up to us to surrender to him. And if we do that, that form of submission to God is like no other. He is our father. I may not have had an earthly father. I had a wonderful mother who I owe my entire life up to, but and I'm so proud of the sacrifices and the, I'm grateful for the sacrifices she's made for being both a mother and a father to me. I'm thankful for my family, my, my husband, and my wonderful in-laws who are here. And just the ability to raise kids and have things not to worry about. When I look at Prashant with my girls, I keep thinking, oh, I wish I had that, like with my dad. But it is so lovely to be able to see it from that perspective and be able to be grateful that even though I didn't have that, I have that for my girls. And I just want to be standing here today to say that I'm thankful, I'm grateful for everything that God has done in my life. And I want to be able to resonate that message with you. If you're ever feeling lost, do not worry. Because as long as you have God at the center of everything, he's going to make everything work. Thank you.
0: your heart, so yeah, we're blessed to know you a little more now, yeah, (laughs) thank you, yeah, Uh, let me see where I go, okay, so it's good, Uh, it's good to learn about each other as part of our church family, it's good to know you more beyond your name on your faces, and so it's it's one of the blessings we have through these testimony series. So, as Bashan said, uh, we, often, we often try to seek approval uh, and affirmation from people around us, or uh, people we look, uh, look at and um, uh, inspired by. And we, we look for these acknowledgement and to validate ourselves, right? Um, we measure ourselves against those standards, as Parvi shared, he was, uh, sorry, uh, Prashant mentioned that he, all his self-worth was all bundled up into being successful in his school um, and his report card. And for Parvi, she was, you know, you were looking for a way forward when your father passed away as well. So we are always searching and looking and often worrying about our future. Do we? oh Sorry, maybe I should. Or, no, that's why Sorry. Like, do we try to pursue our goals based on what society dictate as being successful? Uh, are we binding all ourselves, our identity, our focus on trying to accomplish those goals? And Pashant mentioned he felt that he was letting his parents down because his uh, his grades was not making it. And so so often we, we try to, well, double down on ourselves, right? We just dig in, try harder, uh, rely on our strength, our smarts, uh, our own capability, rather than trying to seek and trust the Lord. So we're looking at the, the wrong places, but thank God that, uh, for Prashanta, that he protected him and kept him from reaching a breaking point. So, in John chapter 5, uh, this is the instant when Jesus was in Jerusalem and he met an invalid man by the pool of Bresta. The lame man was uh, waiting there with a lot of disabled people around the pool, and they trusted in this little superstitious belief that if the first one that gets to the pool when the water stirs, that whoever is there, the first one will be cured of whatever disease. So when Jesus approached this man and asked, do you want to get well? And the man, the lame man, gave a, a lame excuse. He said, well, I have no one here to help me to get into the pool. And then when the water stirred, and when I try to get in, someone else goes down in ahead of me. So he was trusting in being the first to get into the water. And Jesus is cut to the chase. He's, uh, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the man was healed instantly. He thought he could be the first in and he would be cured but he didn't realize his healing, his true healing come from the Son of God, Jesus, who truly heals. So we often try to believe in certain ways to to achieve our own solutions. And there's no shortage of self-help books and uh, information on the internet and social media. The invalid men were trying to Look for someone to help him to be number one into the pool. He didn't realize that is Christ is the one that come and seek us. In God's kingdom, is never about being number one. It is never about being first come first serve. God the Father, sent His begotten Son to this world to come as a servant. He died on the cross and redeemed us from our sins. So, He offers salvation freely for all who would believe in Him. So, our security in Christ Jesus is not through our own effort. We can't double down and do that. It's only through His grace and our faith in Him. So, trusting in the Lord rather than ourselves. There is nothing like it. God is trustworthy. And I love it when Pashant picked this verse from Proverbs, one of my favorite ones from uh, the book there. It is a passage that provides anchor for me, and I hope it provides anchor for you as you go through stormy seasons. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. When we say we believe in the Lord and do we trust him, do we trust him completely? There's a, a famous aviator. Uh, his name is Jimmy Doolittle. Um, I don't know somebody might have heard of him. He's best known as... Uh, as a man who led a daring bombing mission over Japan shortly after uh, uh, Pearl Harbor in World War II. But long before that, he was a pioneer in aviation. And in 1929, well, almost 100 years ago, in New York City on Long Island, he flew, uh, took off from an airfield flew a course and landed his airplane, completely relying on instrument. And this is what we call blind flying. So he, In this photo here, it shows him, he's sitting in this cockpit, way in the cockpit. On the edges of the cockpit, you see these canvas, and these will have flipped, and he will zip it up like a clamshell, so he'll be in complete darkness during the whole um, flight and relying completely on instrument. So this, uh, he's the first man to do that, and it <coughs> provide a breakthrough in aviation because now aviation can move from something of a novelty to something that become a commercial industry because you no longer limit your flying to only good weather condition and daylight. You can fly completely by trusting on your instrument. So are we prepared to trust God completely, even when we are in the dark, when we can't see and look outside or look out the window or the windscreen? Do we let God to be the pilot of our lives, the captain of our lives, or do we put him on the co-pilot seat and only call upon him when we feel like it? Paul tells the Corinthian, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 67. Therefore, we are confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, we live by faith, not by sight. And that's why we trust in the Lord. He is trustworthy. Now, uh, everyone's life journey is different. Your, our faith journey in Christ could be a very dramatic experience, like the Apostle Paul when he, he had his uh, encounter with God or Jesus on the Damascus Road. Or our belief in Christ could be a gradual process. After we accepted Him, our faith gradually grows and mature, and we experience the goodness of God. As Pavi and Prashant share. They they grew up in Christian families. And the seeds of faith were sown in early on. Pavi trusted in the Lord when her dad passed away. And I'm sure during their journey, there was many prayers from their parents and their family as they were growing up. I love it when Pashant shared about when he was joined the worship team and uh, being in that community during his college years he said it grounded me and kept me drip feeding my faith and my belief in the word of God so what a wonderful picture of being in a community of people and we are drip feeding each other in our faith journey we're experiencing uh, the word of God and our testimonies together uh, Mimi here started this little trend in our, uh, with the people in our church with growing garlic every year. And many couples joined in in this little adventure, and we do that in our garden in the back as well. When Ruth and I would water our garlic uh, by hand. It's kind of irregular when, when we do it. We, sometimes we forget, sometimes we water too much, sometimes we, we don't water at all. So at harvest time, our garlic is kind of well average, right? But then when the O'Herns show us picture of their garlics, <laughs> they're like the size of a like large tomato. <laughs> it knocks our socks off. So we did their the success by using drip irrigation, using a timer. And probably a lot of fertilizers. <laughs> but it is just a picture of how we are consistently feeding and planting our, our faith and nourishing with the Word of God. Day after day, getting a steady flow of His truth, His Word in our life, it drips feed our faith. And as uh, Bashan shared earlier in Isaiah 41:13, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. God is good. The Spirit of God is the one, He's the one that nourishes in our faith, and we can trust in Him. There's none like it. So we go back to the sword of Goliath that I, I opened with. David David was pleased to receive the sword from Ahimelech. He immediately praised the sword. He decided, and it quickened him to remember the goodness of God. Because God protected him as a young shepherd boy from the paws of lion and bears. And when he faced off with Goliath, he declared, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. David's tremendous victory during that encounter, that confrontation, was not a random act of bravery. It was a process of growing in faith. He was drift-fed over the years as he was growing up as a shepherd, experiencing God in everyday life. So seeing Goliath sore again, years later, reminded him how good God is. And God is bigger than his enemy, and it's God that delivered him. And he wrote in Psalm 4 he has complete peace. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for I alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Remember, David, just, he just, does not pick up just any sword. Before the battle with Goliath, he tried on the armor and the sword from King Saul, but he took them off. Now, conventional wisdom is that we want to amass and put on as much weapons and armor before going into battle. And this is the man's approach to facing our challenge. But this is not God. David said, "I cannot use this because I'm not used to them." He was used to trusting in the Lord. So our conventional wisdom is not the wisdom and the weapon for spiritual warfare. Like Pashan's share about turning down his first job at Weta, way right after he accepted another position, it was not the right tool. It wasn't the right time. But God blessed them later on with another offer a couple of months later. Maybe, maybe you're a presenter with a fantastic career opportunity or a business opportunity. Or maybe you met someone who might be a potential partner or spouse. Or even maybe a, a ministry door has opened up to you But if it's not from the Lord, you won't have his shalom, the God's peace that surpassed our own understanding. So hold fast and trust in the Holy Spirit to guide you like Prashant did because God always has a better plan for each one of us. So here are five stones. We want to be a community that you can discover and connect with your relationship with our Lord the Father, to understand his truth through his word, and exercise the spirit, the Holy Spirit, in your life, and to be equipped to encounter the culture outside as well, which is often could be very hostile to the word of God. Ari said that you know, growing up, she has a community of believers, that help her in New Zealand. And she watch how they live and how they love. So this is why our testimony series is so important. Yeah. Besides getting to know each other better, uh, it's to remind us what God has done to, for each one of us. And he continue to do so. And this is the sword of Goliath. It, it quickened us to his goodness and encourage us to trust in him and drift-feed each other in our own faith journey. So as long as Goliath's sword exists, as long as we have these testimonies in our lives, we're called to use them, share them, to remind each of us God is greater than all our circumstances, all the opposition and crisis that we face, Don't be intimidated. God will provide. He will equip you if we trust in him. So glory to God alone. So lai gloria. Trust in the Lord. He's our provider, our Jehovah Jireh. There is none like him. I'll ask the worship team to come back up, and I'll just close with a word of prayer. Father we thank you for this morning and thank you for these wonderful testimonies of Pavian and Prashant Lord what you have done in their lives and you continue to do so as you lead them Father we pray that your your spirit will quicken our heart to also remember and look at what you have done for each one of us as well Lord that we can trust in you Lord you want us to remember you wanted to people of Israel to remember how you delivered them from Egypt and as Christians, Lord, that you deliver us from our sins, Lord, and your goodness dwells with us, Lord. So, Father, help us to remember what you continue to do in our lives, that we can put our trust in you. There's nothing like being with you. There's nothing like being led by your spirit, Lord. Give us the clarity. Give us the faith. Give us the courage to put our complete trust in you, Father Lord. Well, I just pray for a special blessing for everyone here as they receive your word and that we will continue to seek you on a daily basis, that you will feed our faith. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. What an incredible
3: reminder that God has our lives, that he has set his plans before us that his provisions are there for us even when we don't see it but in the last hour in that last minute in that last second God always comes through what a reminder for us to remain faithful and in God's presence and remain faithful in in just what God has to give give us and these testimonies, as Eugene said, these serve as a purpose for us to encourage each other as a body of Christ. To remind each other that through our, through our stories, we remind each other that God's grace, his mercy is always there. And so thank you, Pavi and Prashant, for, for sharing and reminding us of that truth. God never fails us let's pray Father we thank you thank you for your testimonies and Lord all glory goes to you Lord in all that we share and all that we speak and all that we do Lord let us as a church community continue to be a witness of your glory so Father God we lift up our voices in worship but we lift up our hearts in worship because we know that as we as long as we worship you that you continue to pour out your faithfulness your grace your mercy into our lives so lord we thank you we love you we lift all our praise to you and i pray all this in jesus name amen